Turn in your Bibles and stand with me one more time, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So appreciative for uh, the ministry of Pastor Ben last week, sharing his heart about the altar. Did you enjoy that last week? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, our body is dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that had wrought us for the self-same thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore, this is where it hinges, Wherefore, knowing this, knowing that this earthly tabernacle is going to be dissolved and we're going to be clothed with the heavenly one, knowing that we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the things we did for his name. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We don't hear about that anymore, do you? Knowing the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust that we are also manifest in your consciences. Before you're seated, I want to ask you a question. What are you doing? How are you living your life? Our life can be closely calculated by looking at our calendar, our wallet, and our affections. Is your life being consumed by this world, spent on yourself, wasted by an activity, or invested in others? Are you living it, or is someone else dictated it for you? Is the life that you are living today okay in harvest form? Which means, are you willing to reap 20 years from now if Jesus tarries the choices that you're making today? Is the life you're living today the one you want to present before God Almighty? Romans 4.12 said, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. When Saul met the resurrected Christ, the one that we're going to stand before, not for the judgment of our sins, but for our works. I am saved by grace, but I'm rewarded according to works. When Saul met the, Jesus before he became Paul on the road to Damascus, and Jesus' glory was so bright that it knocked him off his donkey and blinded him, first thing he says is, who are you, Lord? See, we don't need... The, the, we, there is no such thing as the Jesus you approach with a latte. Can you imagine Moses going up to the burning bush with his Starbucks? What's up? I'm telling you, we've lost the reverence 
We've lost the reverence for the Lord. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And listen to his next, the very next phrase. So you're God. What would you have me to do? I want to speak to you this morning by the grace of God on what are you doing? Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I just humble myself before you and I'm so grateful that someone like me gets to be uh, used by you on occasion. Lord, I thank you that uh, the grass withereth and the flower falleth away, but your word endureth forever. Open our eyes that we might see. Quicken us, Lord. Help us to see eternal realities. Help us not to be blinded by the the temporal stimuli and the tinsel crown that this world offers and focus our attention and affections on the crown of life and the other crowns available to believers for their works. We understand that our salvation is all of you, but our works are decided in the hearts of men. Help us, O Lord, to be able to answer that question, what are you doing with your life more clearly and more confidently than ever before? In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I got the title of this message from one of my little idiosyncrasies. You know, y'all got them too, the way you do stuff. I have a problem with traffic. I really do. I have a problem with y'all when you drive. Stop playing with your phone, your makeup, guys eating a sandwich, uh, talking to kids, disciplining kids, writing essays, putting on makeup while you drive. And people will just like, just weave over and weave over and you go, let them know. And then they flip you off. And I just, my, my primary thing I do now is I don't blow the horn because Kelly said, you're going to get shot. You're going to get shot. They're going to kill you. My primary thing is I just go like this. What are you doing? While I'm driving, I go, what are you doing? So... Come out of that context and understand that what I'm saying is, what are you doing? Because by observation, you are not doing the things essential to complete with safety and effectiveness the thing you're trying to do. And the world is systematically inspired by the devil to distract you and keep you from focusing on the idea that your life was sown into this world to see what kind of profit would come from it for the glory of the Lord. What are you doing? Just, hey, all those things, they don't have to be sin. Let's just drive. Let's just drive the car. I felt that that was a good introduction. I was like, whoo. I, I, I usually don't, you know, the introduction usually has to build up. But what, what do you, so if I walk up to you on a Sunday and I get ready to preach, I go, You'll know what that means. Paul said, I'm following after the Lord that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of Christ Jesus. When God saved you, there was a that he had in mind. And many of us cannot say this is that. Many of us don't have a this. We are crystal clear on what he did for us, and rightfully so. It is that which produces adoration and humility and gratitude and service and all of those things. But once I'm saved, laying not therefore, Hebrews says, the foundation of repentance over and over and over again. Let us strive again, turn again unto maturity. 
And doing those things that please the Lord. Finishing the work that God has called us to do. What are you doing with the talents and the gifts that God has given you? The Bible says that in the parable of the talents that some were given one, some were given two, and some were given five. And in the West, we are more concerned with why did they get five and I got two instead of the reality that everyone is judged by the same standard. Pastor John gets to be on the platform. Pastor John gets to be heard. Pastor John gets respect. He, everybody knows Pastor John. Pastor John is going to have the greater judgment. Anybody want to get in line? Now serving number one, you're it. Teachers have the greater judgment. What are you doing with your talents? You may fool your spouse, you may fool those around you, but you know the things that you do naturally, you know the things that burn within you, you know the things you can do, and some of you, because they're not great things in your eyes, you don't use them, and that is sin. John, what do you do? I talk. <laughs> well, what do you do? Well, before I talk, I studied thousands of hours so that I could talk. What do you do? Well, you're a dad, you know, you're a husband, you have other things, but for the Lord, I give. I like to give. I encourage. I'm not the strongest prayer person. I, I do pray for you, but I'm, you know, I'd call the intercessors. I, I, that's not, I mean, I'll pray for you, but they'll pray. You get a Mama Sheila on the phone, and she's going to go before the Lord. And John said, Lord, help them. You know, you know they're struggling. All right. I, that, I, that's, I, we pray, but we have strengths and abilities. But you say, John, would you mind speaking for me? Put a quarter in me. I can go. Put a quarter in me. Pull the slot. Let's talk about Jesus. What about your gifts and talents? Well, I don't know what mine are. Come on, 40 years old and don't know what you like. Drive me crazy. Get behind somebody at McDonald's. Let me see. Uh, I have uh, been coming here 30 years. You don't know what you want. Get the Big Mac. Get the Big Mac. Been coming here all your life. The same menu when you was growing up. Is the same menu on the wall. Now it's lit up with lights, but it's the same. We used to have the little numbers you put up there. And you know. You know what you do? Well, I just love people. Then fill your house with people. Fill your heart with people. I just have a thing for people with no parents. Then fill your life with people that don't have a father or a mother. Love people. What do you do? Uh, I, I'm just, I'm a businessman. Man, I can make it work. Then give. Not by constraint. Anybody that begs you for money, that's not the Lord. Give as your heart desires to. Give. Give freely. Give willingly. Give joyfully. What are you doing? Your talent. You will give an account. Listen, you will give an account for all of them that are in you. One of my daughters uh, cuts hair. And you should hear her when she talks to me about this. She said, I just love the spontaneous moments when someone comes in and you can tell a mama's there with a couple of kids. And you can just tell that they're, they don't have a lot. And she loves just, you know, when she gets done, she goes, now there's no charge today. And I go, what? The Lord just, I just want you to know the Lord loves you. And she said, I come alive. Oh, it's just a haircut. No, 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 no. It's exercising. 
that which you can do for the glory of God. We've misconstrued gifts as platform gifts. Ain't no platform in heaven. There's no pastors in heaven. So I got to be John. I don't want to stop existing when I get to heaven. You see? Five, two, and one. The five gained five more. The two gained two more. And the one said, I know that you're a hard judge. And I just, you know, I, I buried it in the ground. But here, I never lost what you gave me. He said, you wicked man. You would let me make a deposit in you. And you not use it. Or I'll give you one better. You would use it in the world. And not in my kingdom. I love meeting the man that you say, hey, you know, my name's Pastor John. He tells me his name. I said, what, what do you do? He said, I work, with my, I work with the boys at church. Oh, and I practice law. I go, oh. He said, what do you do? Well, I'm an intercessor. And I'm an accountant. We should not be defined by what we do for money. We should be defined by what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whatever you do for money, you can glorify God with that, doing it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. There ain't going to be no accountants in heaven. No lawyers. What are you doing with the health, strength, and the years God has given you? What are you doing with the opportunities to grow, excel, and serve? Do you know you'll answer for the opportunities you had? In this day and age... We ought to all be scholars of the Word of God. I'm telling you. I remember when I went on the evangelistic field. Uh, I know Ronnie Parrish will know what this is. Piggly Wiggly Man. You remember them egg crates? Them thick egg crates? I would put my books in egg crates. And I had to get a tarp on my little Nissan Sentra. And I would take uh, four or five egg crates of books to travel with me so I could study in the motel room. Now I have a Bible program, and I have like 4,000 books on my Bible program. And I can carry it with my laptop. We're going to answer for the opportunities we have to know the Lord, to communicate truth, to share life. We're not going to just answer for the gifts. We're going to answer for the opportunities you had. That's sobering. And that's what I want this morning's message to be. It's not guilt. It's sobering. God's going to say, why, why, why didn't you... You mean you could buy, okay, let me get this right. So you'll spend $70 on a meal, and you couldn't buy a Bible program for $30? A commentary set that cost me 30 years ago $800, you can get for $30. And put it on a computer and study. We're distracted, y'all. We're, 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 we're busy, and we're not realizing that we are heading towards the most wonderful, beautiful, glorious time of the millennium and in the presence of the Lord. But before that, the Bema Seat of Christ, where we're given an account. We're going to give an account. Our books will be laid open. And it's not just what you've done. It's what you could have been. It's not a matter of being great. It's a matter of utilizing and maximizing all that God has given you for God's glory. The Bible speaks of profitable and unprofitable servants. Someone talk to the business people here, those with money minds, those that manage the books at home. Profit is what's left over when the transaction is complete. 
Something was invested, some labor was done. Uh, you know, my buddy, here's a plumber. Once you pay for the van, once you pay for the gas, once you pay for the insurance, once you pay for the labor, you charge the bill. Whatever's left over after the transaction is profit. What will be left over after the transaction of your life? When you, there are very few things that make me fearful. I'm not a fearful person. I teach my children all the time. I say, now look, we can be concerned. You know, thunder just, boom, in that metal roof. You feel like lightning hit the house. Oh, wait a minute. We can be concerned, but we're not afraid. God's with us. But I fear standing before him and saying, so disappointed. See, you had your... You know, you had your little church and you had your seven churches and you had your name and you had all that. But you could have been so much more, John. That's why later at the end of Revelation, he wipes away the tears from our eyes because we would grieve forever. He wipes away the tears afterward, not when you get home. Afterward. And we should live this way. There has to be that sobering reality where we know enough to change. What are you doing with your calling or assignments? Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. I finished my course. I finished my course. 1 Corinthians 7, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. If you were given an assignment, if it's not completed, you have an assignment. So if your assignment is compassion, as long as you live, there's people that need compassion. If your assignment's teaching, that can change location. I may not, you know, I've had the privilege of being in one place 23 years. You know, some of my peers, every three or four years they move. That is not the life for me. Kelly says if we move again, we got issues. Uh, but we're talking about moving cities. We're not, we're not moving. But some would say, well, I, I was called. No, 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 no. The gifts and call of God are without repentance. What are you doing? Well, I laid that down. Pick it back up. Why is it we think our ch children are foolish for thinking they can outsmart us, but we think we can outsmart God? Is it I tell you to go clean your room? Okay, Dad, what happened today at school? Ah! Did you clean your room? I did help Elisha with his home. Mm -hmm. What assignment did I give you? And some of you are wondering, well, that ship's passed. No, no, if God asked it of you, that ship has not passed. Pick back up the assignment. Put your hand back on the plow. Get back in front of the class. Get back and serve until God releases you with blessing. Finish the work. Finish the course. My daughter Kylie asked me probably a couple years ago, and I've shared this with you before, but it was a revelation to me. Have you ever had you, you say something, your spirit says something before your mind does? She said, uh, Dad, what, of all the things in ministry that the Lord has allowed you to do, what are you most proud of? And without thinking, I said, that I didn't quit. Now, I'm not sounding like a martyr. Let me tell you, I love my job. I have the best church. That ain't, that's not, hey, I'm not giving you flattery. I could pass the lie detector test. You've been good to me. But thinking about quitting is a common thing. 
Because the way is so narrow and the burden is so great. The more I read and the more I see in the news, the heavier my life gets. My mind gets so burdened down. And it's just, you just want to quit. But my, his, his assignment is here. And you just make it happen. Just like, you know, my guys that work physical labor at 5 a.m. I'm sure there's some mornings you don't want to get up at 5 a.m. Well, I'm not feeling it. It's not a matter of feeling. I told the Joneses I'd be there at 7. I'm going to be there at 7. You make it happen. What about God's assignments? Now, it doesn't mean you go create a ministry. It doesn't mean you just go out and volunteer for anything. It just means that you start. And the Lord opens the door. You say, yes, Lord, wherever you want me. Get my orders that day. You don't have to have a position Ministry is not a position, it's a posture. It's a posture of heart. I love what Mark Rutland says. And again, man, if you can go to this church ministries conference, it is wonderful. It'll be wonderful. And here's a man that is turned around, uh, I mean turned around through leadership, God's anointing. Southeastern Bible College went from right about to close to the, one of the most profitable Pentecostal uh, higher schools of education in the world. So successful. He's pastored churches. He's uh, founded many churches and author of many books. Every dime that comes in from his books, he gives to missions, uh, speaks several languages. God gave him the gift of Spanish. He was just overseas. Uh, uh, he was in the foreign country and he just started talking in Spanish. It was a miracle. It wasn't the gift of tongues. It was just a miracle. It was just a miracle. And he made a statement one time. He said, I've been all over the world. I've preached. I've pastored. I've authored. I've taught leadership teams. I have a boys and girls home. We affect sex trafficking. We do all of this. He said, most of my life is spent like this. I find myself, I find myself in a dirty house and I happen to be holding a broom. And serve. And serve. What are you doing for the Lord? Well, I'm salt and light. That's not works. That's reflex. Guess who made you salt? God. Guess who made you light? God. That's not works. Works depletes you. Works diminishes you. Works costs you. What are you doing? Can you say this is what he apprehended me for. What are you doing with your vows and promises? Well, y'all, this is going to be a series. I can tell you. We're at number one, I had five, so I won't kill you. It's like the farmer that you know, came in and, you know, uh, anyway, separate. Sorry. Too long a story. I don't have time. I don't have time. What are you doing with your vows and promises? Now, I don't know who this was for. This is almost separate from the sermon, but I felt the Lord quicken this to me as I was waiting before him yesterday and praying and typing this out. God hadn't forgot what you promised him. Some of us promised him something, you know, that jailhouse religion, kind of, Lord, if you can get me out of this one. <laughs> was still a vow. But some of us bowed our knees and said, I will spend my life for you. I give you, you said, I give you my life, my future, my goals, my businesses, my dreams, my pleasures. I bury them at the foot of the cross. I am yours. And somewhere 
along the way, regardless of what happened, you either took it back or acted like that didn't happen. And it's written in heaven. Listen to what David said. This verse is, again, it's sobering, but it's beautiful. He said, I will praise your name. I will daily perform my vows. And in another place, he said, your vows, my vows, God, they're upon you. They're before you. I'm wired this way in the natural realm. I don't mind you not doing anything for me. Don't tell me you're coming at 9 o'clock to hook up my cable and at 5 o'clock I'm calling you and they say, well, we don't know what happened. Keep your word. The first thing I taught my children was daddy always keeps his word. Now, can daddy forget? Unless daddy forgets because daddy's got issues that if I forgot, that's just. But I will never knowingly not keep my word to you. Why is that so important? Well, our, our faith is built on the idea that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he'll never change. It's the greatest security we have, and we think that he's going to be okay with us going back on our word. He knows we're frail. He knows we're immature. He knows we're weak, but he wants us to tell him, I remember what I prayed to you, and I will keep my word. I will to the assignment. He remembers. And Kylie, that's what keeps me. I can point you to the place and places. And one of them was at a district council. When I put my face on the altar and my hands to my side. And I, my body jerked and I sobbed. And I said, my whole life, my whole life, I will preach the counsel of Jesus Christ. I give you my life. And that's no more important and what you're doing, it's that you keep your word. You keep your, what did you tell him? Well, now that would cost me. We'd have to downsize. Then downsize, baby. Life's easy. The decision's easy. Your flesh makes it hard. Honor the Lord. Keep your word. Because we'll answer it. Answer for it. Have you ever had a friend retell an event and you go were you even there and everything in you rise up and 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 you know now some people are just kind of brain dead and you go that's just them they're just crazy and other people you know they know better and they are telling the story differently to cover for themselves how do you feel when you're listening to that I don't ever want to make God feel that way. I would rather say I am forgetful and Lord I am foolish than to try to con him like we never had to talk. Your vows are recorded in heaven. And David said I will daily perform my vows. What are you doing with your testimony? A title is what people think. A testimony is what God thinks. Pharaoh had a title. Moses had a testimony. What are you doing with your voice? Luke 9, 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me in my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his own glory. Why are you so quiet? I loved what Ken said. It's not looking for a fight, but to earnestly contend for the faith means that I need to speak up. I need to speak up for the Lord, 
for the church, for the things of God, for the people of God. But we know that it costs, so we are quiet. Wouldn't want our faith to cost us anything. And I hit something then, didn't I? It's hard. It costs to be a disciple, to be faithful, to be vocal. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me or my words, or my words, I catch more flack about my stand on Catholicism and homosexuality. Those are probably the two primary things uh, because it's easy just to go around it and soft answer it and everything. And you say, I can't believe you'd say Catholicism. Catholicism is not Christianity. I, don't, don't get mad. Listen, I, I'm not judging their hearts. I'm judging the teaching. So I have to be vocal. And I don't want to hurt that person that's visiting. And they're raised in the Catholic Church. And they say, well, we believe in Jesus. Different Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. Your Jesus has a co-mediator. My Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Your Jesus needs a priest. My Jesus is the high priest and don't need anybody else to perform the duties that he did in meriting our salvation. You preach, they preach. See, this, I'm giving you an example of being vocal. Their doctrine teaches that the, 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 the highest official, the Pope's voice, is equal to and can overrule the doctrines written by the Pope, can overrule the Word of God. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And if any man takes away or adds to, let him be accursed. And when you say to, to be saved, I have to join your institution. And Jesus on the cross before it was even completed, knowing that it would be completed, spoke to the man to his side and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because when I say it is finished, it is finished. And I don't need John or a bishop or a preacher or a priest. Let me just go one further. Don't need no beads. Don't need to pray to no dead. And I'm not mocking. Don't need to pray to no dead saints. You don't need to come to this church. You don't need to join Christ Chapel. You don't need to shake my hand. If he saved you, Jesus saved you. Period. Well, see, I'm getting claps in here. And out there, I get everything from anger to the ones that kill me the most. You're my brother in Christ, and you just you wounded me so deeply today. I don't, I don't want to be vocal. Now, when you want to be the vocal one, I, I'm scared of you. That mean, angry, you know, vein coming up on your head, talking about hell like you want everybody to go there. That's not the Lord. What are you doing with your voice? I think it was uh, Kathy Hickox. I don't know if she's I think it was Kathy. This was a year or two ago. She told me that they, uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you tell me that you were at your work and you heard, overheard somebody say something about Jesus had homosexual tendencies or something? And she said, now, here you are. You've got a career job with very good recognition for strong work ethic, reward. You're a positional I mean, you're successful. She said, I just, I, just, I just walked up and said, if you knew him, 
you wouldn't talk about him like that. Now I'm ad living. It was a couple, it, was, it was along the lines of I take great offense at that. That's my Christ. I don't ever want to hear it again. And I'm thinking the Lord's going. Not picking a fight. It's using my voice to let you know where I stand and who I am, and to honor the Lord. Don't talk about my Savior like that. Wouldn't let nobody talk to you about your wife like that. Think about it. Jeremiah, what would you do if somebody walked right up to your wife in her face and cursed her? It'd be, <laughs> it'd be a bad day, wouldn't it? Jeremiah said, you best bring a lunch because we're going to be here a while. But we'll let them curse him. We'll watch them on the TV curse him. We'll sing the songs they curse him. We'll, we'll, we'll let them just say anything about it and not say nothing. Well, Lord, you know what I believe, but did you say it? How can they hear lest there be a preacher? And how can there be a preacher unless they be sent? A preacher is not just the guy that stands on the platform. I don't know how far I should go here. I'm going to stop. Ben, if you'd come up, please. It seems now, if Jesus tarries for the next week or two, we're, we're going to uh, stay on this subject, and it will lead into our series on uh, the life God rewards. If I were to go through the room and ask you, what do you do for God? And I was just to point and have a microphone. There are many of us that are new believers who say, well, right now I'm just trying to stop living like I lived. <laughs> right now, that's, that's a full time. Do you know the Lord understands when you're brand new in him, you're like a newborn. He's not expecting you to run and teach. He's just saying, just walk. And, you're, and what does the daddy do? He's like, come on, come on. God's, it's not a tyrannical thing. But when you're 22 and want to be clapped for because you're walking, been in the church 10 years, 8 years, 12 years, by now you ought to be teaching. When we offer home groups, I'm, just, I'm telling you in love, we ought to have 50 people at least sign up and say, I'll host one. But because we think we don't know everything and because it will cramp our schedule and or because, you know, well, I just, I, I, I just, I don't know. We just don't. And there ought, enough be, there ought to be enough word in us or enough love in us. And I loved we had one not too long ago. The person said, I, I can't teach real good. But I tell you what, I'm going to host it because I can work a room. I can work, make everybody, hey, high five, how you doing? And I'm going to have me a plant in there to keep it going. If you can't point to what you're doing, you're not doing anything. A lady come up to me. She said, I taught your little girls today. And knowing what I was about to preach, I knew if I started, I would start crying and wouldn't stop the whole day. She goes, I so enjoyed it. And I hugged her. I said, thank you for loving my babies. Thank you for loving my babies. What are you doing? Your Christian life is way larger than this church. But every person in here ought to be able to point to something that they do for this church because it's your church. It's your church. Felicia, how long have you gone into the prisons? 18 years. That's weekly? Hmm? 
16 years weekly into a prison in California. No salary. <laughs> I mean, no salary. Okay. When I know you're committed there, and she pastors these ladies. I mean, this group pastors. And we have corporate prayer. See, she can't be here and be there and teach and everything. She comes to prayer. I can pray. Because it's my home church. Now, my ministry is out here. It don't have to be about Christ Chapel. But you ought to have something in this house. And I'm not trying to grow this church. Listen to me. God is not into marketing. God is not into networking. I'm not trying to build a brand. I want you to be able to stand unashamed before the Lord Jesus and say, I did this for the glory of God. Nothing else. What are you doing? What are you doing? Those in the youth, what are you doing? Where are you serving? What are you giving? This is the one area where everyone's equal. Because you get to do almost everything in your heart. You can just, on your mark, get set. Oh, Lord, I can do this. God, I, I can do this. I can help. My buddy Dave, the Lord has just changed his life. I mean, cha- you'd have to have known him before. Not, not bad. And I know he wouldn't mind me saying this, but just self. He's the big guy that comes out. You may see him with a little electric blower. He's out there an hour early. You think that has anything to do with John Wood or Christ Chapel? Not at all. I know him. And I know that little thing's were. And he said, Jesus, I just want you to know that I ain't above doing anything in your house. And I just love you. I love you. God, thank you for my wife and my babies and my boy and my girl. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. It's a small thing. And he said, uh, I think I want to greet too. You know, probably, and did a, did a home group, did a Bible study. Um, the, uh, the home fellowships we had, you know, they rehearsed Sunday morning things. Here's what I close with. Once he tells you, once you see who he is, he says, I am Jesus. There ought to be a, what would you have me do? Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Self-aware 
can use me I give myself away I give myself away So you can use me Church family, would you stand with us this morning? Brother John, we're not we're not supposed to do, you know, my left hand's not supposed to know what my right hand's doing. The Bible says, let men see your works that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. He said, Don't don't parade them, but you can't hide them. You can't hide what you do. How many of y'all raised your babies and they're gone? From home? I mean, they're not gone, they're never gone, but they're out of the house. Was there a feeling of, we did that. No, the Lord did it. No, 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 no. The Lord was with me, but we got up. We walked the floor. We rocked the babies. We stayed up at night. We fed. See, and there's reward for that. I close with this idea. Whatever you do, as simple as giving a cup of cold water, God will reward you for it. Next time I ask you, I'm glad you asked. This is what I'm doing. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.